0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Because I want to say that last night did not exactly redeem the weekend, if you feel me. I mean, it's not like one game Monday night was going to salvage an otherwise sort of crappy weekend football-wise, right? One game was not going to rectify that. Especially if that one game was Saints v. Seahawks. But damn, give us something. Anything, anything but that, per usual, if they're not paying me to watch that game, I am watching something else. Yes, it was that bad, that ugly, missed field goals, stupid penalties, and one of the weirdest TDs you're ever going to see. However, because I'm not that guy, because I'm a glass half full guy, let me focus on the good stuff first. Let me focus on Geno Smith hitting D.K. Metcalf for a touchdown in the first quarter. Quarterback Smith is
1: under center. Snap, spin, fake handoff, deep drop, winds up far pass, far side. It's caught by Metcalf over the shoulder at the 40, down the sideline, bringing a tackle, 50, down the sideline, the 40, chase to the 30, the 20, the 10, chasing him into the end zone. Touchdown, Seattle, D.K. Metcalf. Beautiful throw by Smith, an 84-yard strike. And Seattle is scored first. Huge play early for Geno
0: Smith. Westwood won. Now you see a play like that and you think, time to pop some corn. I.e. get my popcorn ready. Because we are going to have ourselves a game. We are going to have ourselves a night. Something that will help us forget everything that happened the day before. Weren't you thinking that? I know I was. (laughs) I was wrong. And so was anybody else who was thinking that. So was anybody else thinking that last night would be worth our time? Because that was it for Seattle highlights. One in the first quarter, and that was pretty much the end of the show. And the crazy thing was, after that play, Metcalf was not even targeted again until the fourth quarter. But there was still another highlight left. Still another highlight left in this game, and that was the touchdown from Jameis Winston right before halftime. 13 of Seattle,
1: first and 10. Shotgun snap is low around his knees. He drops it. Winston picks it up. There's a wobbly pass to the 10. Caught on the sideline. Kamara at the 5. Breaks a tackle. Inside the pylon. Touchdown! He got in! He snuck in! Kamara with a 13-yard catch and run, and New Orleans has grabbed their first lead tonight just before halftime.
0: That's not something you see very often. Fumble the snap, barehand the ball off the rug, throw for a TD. Pretty impressive. Of course, Alvin Kamara can do that for you, but pretty impressive. I mean, Jameis was not exactly electric last night, but that is a reminder of the things that he can do. That's a reminder of how much he's grown as a player. Like I'm not saying that he is the second coming of Drew Brees, but I am saying a few years back, that's a fumbled snap that probably turns into a pick six. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee it. But here, it's a fumbled snap, which he somehow converts into a Saints touchdown. Now that officially ends the highlight portion of the game and this take. Because the rest of the game is pretty much unwatchable. This is when I had to start to break out my positive affirmations. This is when I had to break out that rubber band on my wrist. And every time I started to reach for the remote, I would tell myself, They're paying you. They're paying you. They're paying you. They're paying you. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. They're paying you. It doesn't matter how you feel. Do the job. It doesn't matter how you feel. Do the job. Nobody gives a damn how you feel. Do the job. I'm just telling myself. It doesn't matter how much this game sucks. Watch the game. It doesn't matter how much this game sucks. Watch the game. So warrior that I am. I somehow got through it. And so did the Saints. And credit to them for going on the road and handling their business. You know, some sort, sort of like I did from my couch in my home. And a lot of credit to Cam Jordan for dropping this in the postgame.
2: I think that in, in a game like this where things get close, things get a little, little ugly towards the end, it builds confidence to be able to come into a game like this and, and close it out the way we did. In my mind, it wasn't as close as it was. I think that our defense played with a lot of uh, speed and intensity, and and the right uh, right mindset the entire game, um, albeit that one play explosive, the one explosive that they had um, from uh, the the King orc Smurf.
0: Wait, what? Did my man just go with a King Orc Smurf blast? Uh, the the King Orc Smurf. Did he just call DK Metcalf King Orc Smurf? It seemed like he did, and if he did do that, it's pretty awesome, until he then quickly corrected himself, sort of, quote, I'm
2: spazzing on his name, DK Metcalf, sorry,
0: I'm spazzing on his name, oh, DK Metcalf, sorry, yo, my dude, apology, apology, not accepted, Apology, not accepted, because you got nothing to be sorry for. I don't know who or what the hell a King Orc Smurf is. I just know that that dog of a game needed something like that to make it better. The King Orc Smurf. Yeah, that made it better. So thank you for providing it, big dude. And yo, hey, 12s, where are you at? It was not that long ago that that was arguably the most hostile building in the entire league. One of the last places you ever wanted to go if you were a visiting team. Now, everybody is looking at their calendar, hoping they get to go to Seattle. Because this year, everybody is getting a dub in Seattle. Titans, W. Rams, W. Saints, W. So now the real test comes on Sunday. Because look who's coming to town. Jacksonville. And if Seattle loses that game, Pete Carroll one of the best coaches of the last 20 years, ought to walk the hell off the field and not come back. I know his team is busted up. I know they're not the same team without Russ. Just like I know the Jags are coming off a bye. But if you're Pete Carroll and you let Urban Meyer come into your house, punch you in your face, you can go ahead, resign on the spot, until tell USC that you want your old job back before Herb beat your ass and then beat you to USC to get that job before you do. Hey, listen, I'm not even clowning. The way the Seahawks are playing right now, this is a very real possibility. Like, I knew things were going to be tough without Russ, especially in that division, but I had no idea it would be this bad. After he jacked up his digit against the Rams, I came on this show and I said, Seattle's season is in danger. I just didn't think that Seattle's season was already over, but it was. I knew Seattle would struggle. I did not think they would completely implode. But that's what they did last night. Again, dumb penalties, missed field goals, poor execution. They did it all. Hell, lose to the Jags. They were the Jags. And if kicker Jason Myers missed another field goal, Peyton Manning's pink head was going to explode. Now, I don't want to say it's all on the fact that Russ isn't there, but when you look at it, man, it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? However, this team has been in each of the last three games. They just have not won any of the last three games. It is Seattle's first three-game losing streak in a decade. It's the first time they've lost their first three games at home in nearly 30 years. There are three straight games where Geno Smith had a look at becoming a hero. It just didn't work out. There was that pick against the Rams. There was that fumble in OT against the Steelers. And then the back-to-back sacks with less than two minutes to go, down three last night.
1: After the Seahawks quarterback. Oh, they come in with Jenkins on a blitz, and they bring him down. Like he froze. He saw Jenkins coming, and he froze. And he goes down the fourth sack for the New Orleans defense third and 18 shotgun snap from the 18 here he's being chased and he's brought Uh down from behind to Mario Davis Uh as he was trying to flee a pocket that was crumbling.
0: Hey 12s I'm not here to pile on I'm just here to tell you the way it is and if you don't know how much the rest of the nation enjoyed seeing that then I'm not sure you really know what the rest of the nation thinks about you and your act. Like, Geno Smith could have gone legend, maybe even saved their season by running a successful two-minute drill and punching it in. Unfortunately, he picked a bad time to remember that he was Geno Smith. And take a couple of sacks, and then that was that. I'm not putting it all on him. I'm not putting it all on him. Believe me, there was plenty of Seahawk idiocy to go around last night. There was Marquise Blair with an all-time dumb personal foul on Jameis Winston on a third-down sack.
3: Here's the pressure.
1: Winston able to step up. Got it by the leg, and now he'll take a big shot. And
4: the flag comes in. Personal foul. Roughing the passer. Defense number 27. It's an automatic first down.
3: Wow. He cocked his right arm as
2: he entered into contact and caught Jameis right below the chin.
0: Like, like in real time... It looks sort of borderline, but then in watching the replay, that was a brain-dead moment. Oh! And it was not the only one either. Because as well as Al Woods was playing, he did this. Hit from 21 earlier. This from 42. And it's going to get a little closer. Wow. Oh! By a little closer, you mean a first down? How do you jump offside? On a field goal like that. Especially when the other team has a kicker who is appearing in his first NFL game and about to attempt a 43-yarder. So that gave the Saints a first down, and they burned a bunch more time off the clock. And eventually, they just hit a point after, or a 33-yard field goal. And then that was that. Thanks for coming, 12s. See you all next year. Or maybe never again, depending on how they handle Russ and his situation. Or how Russ handles them and their situation. I think it's time for Russ to turn his phone around once again and have another Hey Seattle, hey, Seattle. conversation. Because play. it looks bad. And it would appear that it could get worse before it gets better. Especially if Herb comes into their house and does them. Oh, you can go to sleep. Right about now, I think that I would trust Russ throwing with his offhand more than Gino with his right hand. I think right about now, I might trust Russ throwing the football with his feet more than Gino with his hand. Not putting it all on Gino. Like I said, there was a lot of Seahawk idiocy to go around last night. But they're unrecognizable, the Seahawks. That's not what you expect. Not in their house and not in prime time. So let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home and low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and keeps offers generic versions on top of that discreet packaging and proven results keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition but here's something you got to keep in mind prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to slash rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's slash rome. And get your first month free, slash rome. Jordan Poyer joins me once again. Jordan, it's great to have you back. Thanks so much. How are you?
5: I'm good, Jim. I appreciate you for having me on again, man. So awesome. good to
0: have you, Jordan. Always like talking to you. So I'm curious, especially you and knowing your approach and your mindset. You're coming off a bye. You're getting ready for Miami. How was that bye week? And what did you get up to? How did you approach it?
5: Yeah, you know, you know, being in the league nine years, you usually you can kind of learn a lot about you know how to how to handle a bye week. You know, it was really I just I spent time with my family a lot of time, my family, my wife, and my daughter, and really just rested and recharged, kind of reflected uh you know where I was at, and you know where where I wanted to go as a you know as, as you know for myself and then obviously as a as a goal for our team, so um you know I'm ready to get back get back to work man uh you know it was good to see the guys yesterday and today, everybody looked you know refreshed, recharged ready to go man, we got a you know eleven game stretch uh you know until the playoffs and so you know, it's this you know, new season, time to roll.
0: That's interesting. So when you thought, when you talk about how you thought about yourself for a minute, like where am I at? Where do I want to go? That self refl- self reflection. What types of questions did you ask yourself? and What were the answers? Where are you at right now?
5: Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I'm playing. I'm playing well. There's obviously a lot of plays. There's some plays that I w- I wish I could have back, but uh, you know, I, I you know, I just want to keep going. You know, I just want to keep getting better every single day. Um, you know, really attacking every single day and and really taking it one day at a time. You know, approach. You know, you know what's happened in the past. Happened in the past. You can't really fix that. But you know, what can you do? What can you learn from it to, in order to keep getting better? Because that's the name of the game, man. You just want to keep, you know, you want to keep getting better. Um, you know, as a as a, as an a individual and as a team. Uh, you know, because you know, you don't necessarily want to be playing your best football in September, or October. You know, you want to keep getting better to play your best football in the end of November, um, December, um, where where you know football. You know, where each play matters. Each game is, is huge.
0: Jordan Poirier is joining us. You know, you're nine years in. I'm really curious. Like, the goal obviously is to get better every single day as a person, as a player, as a father, the whole thing. Nine years in, you obviously know so much more now than you did when you first got in. So you're definitely a more intelligent player. Your football IQ is higher. Physically, can you do everything you used to do? In other words, is your best football still ahead of you and not behind you?
5: I truly 100% believe that. You know, uh, early in my career, um, you know, I look back and, and, you know, I, I wasn't playing a whole lot. I was a, Special teams player, you know, my first, you know, three, four years. Um, and just kind of learning under the guys and uh, that, that were ahead of me, the vets that, that were older than me, kind of how to take care of your body, how to just be a professional. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't have to take a whole lot of physical uh, physical beating my first three years. And then, obviously, my four, fourth year I got hurt. Um, and, and, you know, I still feel like I'm growing as a player, and I still feel like my best ball is ahead of me. You know, I'm 30 years old right now. But, you know, I always tell people, you know, I was always a late bloomer. And so I always, you know, I I was the last one to have, you know, hair in my legs or whatever, you know. So uh, I still feel like I'm getting better um, each and every day, each and every year. Uh, so, uh, you know, I do feel like my my best ball is ahead
0: of me. Jordan Poyer is joining us. I'm going to come back to that point about you being a late bloomer in one second because there's something that's really interesting about that, too. You know, when you mentioned that when you first came in, there were guys who took you under their wing and talked to you about this is how you prepare like a pro, this is how you take care of your body. Now, guys come to you, and then you share that information with them right now. Who were some of the guys that taught you that stuff when you came up?
5: Yeah, I had guys like Jim Leonard. I had guys like Deshaun Gibson. I had guys like Dante Whitner. Um, all guys who respectively, you know, all pro guys, um, you know, with Whitner and Gibson, you know, Gibson's still playing in the league for the Bears right now. Um, but guys who, you know, well-respected around the league, obviously we weren't, you know, we, we weren't that great of a football team when I was out there in Cleveland. But, you know, just to how to how to prepare for each and every game, um, how to go into, uh, uh, you know, how, being able to, to handle wins, being able to handle losses as well. Um, because it's a long season, you know. You never can, you never can really dwell off, off a loss too long, and you can never really be, get too high off a win too long, you know. Because, for you know, you know, you're right back in on Wednesday preparing for the next week, and if you're holding on to that loss, holding on to that win, you know, not going to distract you going into the next week. So it's little stuff like that that you know, I, you know, I still see in younger guys now. Some you see younger guys, you know, they may they might have a a really good game early on, but then you know that really good game. Um, kind of holds on to them, and you know, feeling good about themselves. And it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to hard to let go of a game where you go out there and you, maybe you have ten tackles and it's two picks or whatever. Um, you know, it's really hard to, to use that 24-hour rule and forget about that. And now you have to prepare for the next opponent. And that's really a lot of things that I got from those older guys is, you know, how to handle wins, how to handle losses. And Cleveland, we we lost a lot. So, you know, and even now I feel like it's a lot. A lot easier. It's a lot. It's coming a little bit more to fruition now. You know, we're in the middle of the season. I'm in year nine. You know, we're four and two now. Um, you know, obviously took a really tough loss against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, but ain't no reason to dwell on that. You know, we got we got another football game coming up this week, um, and, and and we know we're a good football team. Uh, and, and you know, and the guys know they're good football players, and so we just got to continue to work. And that's when I say get get better each and every day. You know, yeah, coach always says you never. Never lose, you just learn. You know, it's a shame on us if we don't learn from our losses. Um, and get better from them.
0: It's really pretty interesting. You know, it's all mindset, right? You have to have that mental discipline, that no matter what happens, good or bad. That you got to keep moving. Like you have to 100%. keep moving. It's so interesting. You know, the guys you mentioned too, Jordan Pointer, my guest. These are really interesting guys that you mentioned. Like Dante Whitner came on my podcast a couple of weeks back. He still has plenty of it. He's right down the street in Newport Beach. Jim Leonard, I've spent some time with at the Wisconsin program. These are all really strong dudes. And I know the young guys that you play with right now would say the same thing about you, Jordan. The amazing thing. You are the subject of your own doc, Jordan Poyer, the kid from Astoria. What was it like to participate in that documentary and then to see the final film? That's got to be some pretty heady stuff.
5: Yeah, it was amazing, man. It was really, it was crazy how it all came together. I was, um, you know, just kind of like, la- I I'd go out to Astoria every year and, and always do some sort of fundraiser back home where I grew up and always do some sort of fundraiser. And we kind of decided about two weeks before I went out there that we were just going to film the content and then just you know film everybody that was back home with me um and, and just kind of tell my story through it um I actually was I didn't see the final uh the final product until I saw it with my teammates here in Buffalo when it when we when when we dropped it so that was my first time seeing it and I mean just to see it all come together man it it was really emotional it was a really emotional night um and you know I had so much support from like I said my my friends my fans my teammates you know all around uh, and, and, you know, a lot of them – most of those guys that came to that have has seen, you know, you know what I was like before, um, you know, when I was drinking heavy, when I was, you know, doing the stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. And now obviously see, you know, where I'm at now. You know, it's been uh, almost 600 days since I've had any alcohol. And, and just, you know, the, just the, the support that I continue to get from them, man, it's awesome. And it motivates me to continue to, to share my story and, and try to inspire as many people as I can because, you know, alcohol is – it's a huge issue in our world, man, and, and you know it's, it's hard to talk about. You know, I think we all know somebody who's who uh, has been affected with alcohol in their life, um, and, and you know it's just I, I think we got to talk about it more, you know, and that's that's my that's my goal now is to be able to normalize, you know, not just not just alcohol addiction, but any sort of addiction, man. We got to be able to talk about. You know what's going on, and and and, and in order to in order to, to to step in front of those problems. You know that was my biggest thing was I needed to I needed to own up to what I was doing and and really face myself in the mirror. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, now now that I've opened up, are, are able to come to me and and really kind of relate to you know what what, what they're going through. And so um, you know, I just want to continue to to be that light for for, for
0: folks. Jordan, I appreciate you so much for that mindset and that mentality. I I respect it so much. I admire it so much. You and I have talked about this. And I love that you didn't just do this or post it or talk about it as a one-off and say, all right, I've covered that. You're just saying. You just said it to me right now. We need to continue to have this dialogue. The door has to be open. So my question to you then is if somebody were to be listening right now or somebody were to say to you, Jordan, it's, it's bigger than me. Man, I'm fighting a losing battle. I just, I have no hope. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I'm giving in to this. I can't go on. I can't do it. What's your response? What's your message to that person?
5: Yeah, I usually tell people when they, you know, because a lot of people come up to me in my, in my DMs or even even in person, and they'll, they'll they'll, tell me their story. Like, hey, man, I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I can't seem to put whatever it is down. You know, can't. how can you help me? You know, this is what I've been through. And I tell them, like, look, man, Like, you took the first step right there into owning up to, you know, your problem. Like, owning up that you actually have a problem. And you owned up to me, somebody who you don't even know. And so I challenge people all the time to own up to somebody who is close to them and let them know that, hey, man, like, it could be your best friend, it could be your wife, your husband, whoever. Hey, you know, I have a problem. That 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 was my issue. I was too macho man, too this, that, or whatever you want to call it. To to feel like you know I I had to go ask somebody like or, or tell somebody like hey I have a problem and everybody that I told after you know I, my wife was the main one like hey and she supported me the most so I had to and, you know let her know like hey you know I have a I have a problem and and I need you to help me and you know she was the first one to be able to, to, to she'll tell you first off she she helped me man she she told me to, to let me the direction I needed to go and even my mom I told my mom I had a I had a problem too and and most of the times. The people that you tell you have a problem really probably already know you have a problem, and so you know. They, and and that now I tell them you know own up to your problem, own up to it, face it on, and you know the people that care about you will help guide you in the direction that you need to go. And I always let them know I'm here to talk too, you know, because some people just need another another voice in their in their life to to have that conversation. You know, I had a conversation with a guy today. He told me he was he was four months sober. You know, and ever since ever since him and I had the conversation, he was four months sober, um, and that and he, you know he was struggling today, and he said he was having a lot of bad thoughts in his head, um, and so you know I just challenged him. I said, hey man, it's one day at a time, you know, and, and don't think about doing it for yourself. Think about doing it for somebody who you love, you know, somebody who who you care about, you know, because if you think about doing it for somebody else, you know, it just makes it a lot easier for me when I think about doing it for the people that care about me, for the people that you know, that I inspire. You know, they, they, they're the ones that motivate me.
0: Hey, Jordan, one last thought. This is, and I want to say it again to you, this is what I admire so much about you. It's one thing to own your problem. It's another thing to own it and then get help and then fix it, but entirely another to do it and not say to yourself, alright this is a private matter, I took care of it, and then go about your life and your business you're not doing that. You're saying "Yeah, I need to continue to address this and own this, but I want to help others because I know other people are going through it. I mean it says so much. You don't need to do that. It says so much about you, and the other thing that seems to me that you really understand, you understand that if you say one thing to one person that it seems totally random, it could impact them literally for the rest of their life, right? Like, you understand that you have that kind of power.
5: On One thousand percent. And, it's, I mean, and it's something, you know, and like I said, it, that's just something that continues to inspire me to continue to, you know, I, I like, I feel that energy. You know, I go to I go to talk to um, this group out here in Buffalo called Kids Escaping Drugs, and you know, I just go, I, I go have conversation with those kids just because, you know, I know, I mean, these kids are anywhere from 13 to 20, I think it's 21, 22, 23 years old and all. You know, have issues in their life with, with addiction, and you know, some of those kids just need to have, just need to be talked to, just need to have a conversation to, just need to be listened to. You know what I mean? And and I know, you know, especially out here in Buffalo, myself as a high-profile athlete, is, is somebody, you know, as somebody as simple as me going and having that conversation really could change somebody's life. And and like I said, that's just what continues to inspire me. Um, you know, I love seeing these stories of people, you know, telling me how long they've been sober, and, and you know, really. It really just touches me inside, man. It really, like I said, continues to motivate me.
0: I think it's amazing. I really do. I, I'd, I'd walk off on that. I want to ask you one thing about the game against the Dolphins, but I think, I think that's an amazing thing that you understand that, that you have that kind of impact. And I don't want to say responsibility because you don't have to, but you are. So, man, that, right. I have so much respect for you for doing that and so much admiration. You've got the Dolphins on Sunday. You did beat them 35 nothing in their place in week two. So how do you approach this one? How much can you take away from that first game and apply to this one?
5: Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, two is back playing. Uh, you know, he came out in, uh, injured early on in that game, so um, Price probably, probably be uh, you know a little different game. You know, we understand they're a hungry football team, man. Uh, you know, took a tough loss at Atlanta last week, this last weekend, uh, and they're hungry for a win. So, um, you know, they're coming here to Buffalo. They're not just going to lay down. So we got to really prepare well. Um, they got some really good players over there, obviously, um, and we got to prepare well and come come ready to play.
0: Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up with First Alert, The most trusted brand in fire safety to help protect your entire home with safety that you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. And having enough first alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do to protect your home and family. Install alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Once those alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also remember, the alarms do not last forever, and they do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you cannot remember the last time you replaced yours, it is best to replace the unit completely. And for a replacement option, my favorite is First Alert's 10-Year Sealed Battery Alarms. 10-year sealed battery alarms are convenient, and they eliminate the need for battery replacements for a decade. Lastly, take this time and discuss home safety with your family, plan and practice an escape route, and remember to practice it at least twice a year. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash month. The thing that did make it better, of course, though, was the Manning bros did work that game. They don't work every week, but they work that game. And watching them is cool because there's entertaining content and you learn something. Seriously, you learn something when you watch these guys, even if they're clowning. Even if it's learning that Peyton gets really frustrated with missed field goals and bad plays where a quarterback throws it away when he doesn't have to. You know that whole thing about how it's always better just to throw it away? Watching Peyton, it's not always better to just throw it away. Another thing that he really does not like is the failure to seize momentum after a turnover. The Seahawks forced a turnover. They were in Saints territory, and Peyton was ready. Peyton knew what he wanted to see in that moment.
4: Have something good called in this first play. Don't just come out and run the ball and get into a second and nine. I like a play-action Pass right here, and
0: I'm I'm off. I'm off. Yeah, great prediction. See, there you go. Payton's like saying it. All right, good, good. You force that turnover. Now have something ready. Don't just line up and run it and get a yard and put yourself in a second and long. Him saying that he doesn't want to see a run that makes it second and nine, and what happens? Seattle makes it a run and second and nine. And you can tell how put off he was. One of these days, Peyton's giant pink dome is going to explode while he's watching these games. And especially if it's the Seahawks in prime time again. But if I'm being honest about last night, the real star of the Lick Racer show was neither Lick Racer himself. But it was, of course, none other than Marshawn Lynch. Because, of course, he's freaking Marshawn Lynch. He takes over any show or any room or any space where he appears. He's just about that action, boss.
1: I'm just about that action,
0: boss. There's nobody like him. Yes, I know that Tom Brady also got a quarter of the program, and, you know, there was some insight there. He is the GOAT. But let's be real. There is nothing even Tom Brady... Nothing Brady himself could do or say that would be half as interesting as anything Marshawn does or says. Marshawn Lynch was pretty much riveting on everything. For starters, here is his breakdown for how he pre-gamed for his appearance last night. Well,
4: I was night. watching you know, your interview with Peyton on his Peyton Places, and uh, I learned <laughs> that before games... You had a pregame ritual where you do a shot and a half of Hennessy before the game. Did you? Uh, did you do anything to you know, get warmed up tonight?
1: I, I, we'll see it, see, because I ain't playing, so I had a, I had a three shot minimum today. <laughs> so I'm feeling, so I'm feeling real good. And I, so so I took one for me, I took one for Big Bro, and I got one for Lil Bro. So I made sure I. Oh, perfect. Feel-
4: honored. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you for. Thank you for that tribute. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I was looking out.
0: Yeah, there, there's so much to like about that. Marshawn. First of all, notice he didn't say three shot max. He said three shot minimum. Hell yes. This guy's the best. Like, I'm not a Henny guy. But after hearing that, I want to be. In fact, after hearing that, I am. Not only did he smash three shots before hitting air, he had a reason for each shot. One for him, one for Big Bra, and one for Lil Bra. Seems to me, though, actually, he should have had one for Big Bra, one for Lil Bra, one for him, but one for Grandpa, one for Middle Bra, Cooper, and one for his son, Arch. So three is great, but he really should have had six if he was doing one for all of them. That would have been next level, even for Marshawn. Still, while three is not six, three is a hell of a lot better than none. And you knew he'd get some, and he did. And then talk turned, of course, to the Super Bowl.
4: Fourth and one, uh, Marshawn, you a fan of uh, running little uh, uh, quick screen passes, or you a fan of running the ball, especially close to the goal line? Troll. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of your preference. You don't have to answer that till after the commercial. I know. You don't have to I have to know, the, I, I know the, the answer. I, I, I know Dave. the answer. We all have heard the answer. Look, man, put the ball in my hands.
0: That I mean, that, that was just such a reasonable response, man. And so responsible. I thought he was going to say, look, man, believe you, pinky. Two of these guys trying to stir up trouble with Marshawn. He held that like a boss. Then he broke down the earthquake run, arguably the greatest run ever. And the mentality that goes into it and what he was thinking as he was just tearing up, tearing up the defense. And the entire ground underneath him was shaking.
4: I mean, to me, I've done some cool things before, but I've never caused an earthquake. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how did it feel to actually cause an earthquake?
1: Hey, man, to tell you the truth, I, I, I'm going to tell you for real, for real, for real, it was a great feeling, But... I mean, I, I'll i trade that earthquake round if I could, you feel me, if I could get your hand. I'll cut both of mine's off just to get one of yours. You know what I'm talking about?
0: For real, for real, for real. Dude, that's serious. Now you know what this guy's running on. Now you know this dude's mindset. He just said it. He'd cut off both of his hands to get one of yours. Now I'm not exactly sure what that means. I know the math doesn't seem right on that. It just sounded serious as hell. My man just said I would cut off both my hands and get one of yours. I don't know what that means. I just know that it's serious. And, of course, there were going to be obscenities with Marshawn, like when he went with an F-bomb on a fumbled snap. Protected. Oh, oh, oh
4: what the f***? I don't think they had a play.
0: That's why you bring that guy in, right? That's what you're going to get when Marshawn comes on your show. Marshawn, and it's awesome. Like, if you don't want him to F-bomb a jacked-up exchange between the center and the quarterback, don't bring him on. But then again, who doesn't want that? We all want that. I just never thought that we would get that on a show hosted by the Lick Racers. That's the most amazing thing of all, right? That these all-time moments are created and happening on a show hosted by the Lick Racing Brothers. Which is incredible, and if it sounds like I didn't think that these lick racers had it in them, it's because I didn't think these lick racers had it in them. And by the way, the elder lick racer was apologizing after Marshawn went f bomb.
4: Marshawn Lynch, not as wild about the language, I want to apologize for some of the language. Uh, it's not what we're trying to do on this show. Um, I had to remind Eli that this show is live. Uh, so Eli's learned his lesson. Marshawn, I probably Keep should have to him.
0: Keep your the hands hand down. the screen. But
4: anyway, we apologize uh, for that. But uh, anyway, let's get back to some football here.
0: Sound not the most disingenuous thing you've ever heard in your life? You apologized for the bad language. Dude, the only thing you should be apologizing for is if you bring him on and he doesn't do that. You know exactly what you're going to get when you book Marshawn Lynch. You get that. And by the way, that's why you booked Marshawn Lynch. He gave you exactly what you wanted. You know you're not sorry, Lick Racer. So stop saying you are. There isn't a viewer in the world or a suit responsible for that show who did not know that that F-bomb was coming. So don't act all shocked and apologetic when you know that you were chest bumping and awkwardly high-fiving each other after he did it. Because y'all were hyped. We all were. Marshawn effing lynch baby oh oh, what the Uh, fuck man stop acting like you're sorry you're not sorry you knew he would do that he's marshawn lynch and if you're not about that action boss just turn off your station you have a problem turn off your station are you craving some protein after a good workout this time change up don't make a shake do not eat a bar instead grab a bag of beef jerky from old trapper here's why Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. On top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business, and they take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried-out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. That's who. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki- peppered and hot and spicy all amazing and all different so the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for it in the clear view bag and look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old trapper what's your beef desmond ritter desmond so good to have you on the show how are you Good. How are you? Thanks Good. for having me. It's great to have you. I really appreciate it. So let me ask you about the win over Navy first. You went to their place. You beat them. The Academy is never an easy team to deal with. May not have been a perfect game per se, but how much pride it is there, in the fact that you went on the road and you won a tough game and found a way to get it done.
6: Yeah, no, it's huge. Um, you know, going against you know the United States Navy, um, we know it's going to be a four quarter game. You know, we know that we know that they're going to play their hardest and, and never never stop and never stop fighting. Um, So we knew that going into it, and you know, we knew we just had to put our hand down and execute. Which, like you said, you know, we didn't do the best of, um, but you know, we had a lot to learn from and a lot to get better with.
0: Desmond Ritter is joining us. You know, really is something. The team is undefeated. You are number two in the country. I got to know, like, what's the mood like around the program, around campus? What's the vibe like overall? How would you describe it?
3: Uh,
6: I would say it's very energetic. Um, especially, you know, around campus and around the community. But, you know, for us uh, in the program and on the football team, um, you know, we're just taking it day by day. Um, We're looking to get better every single day, you know, at practice and and, and film and in meetings. Um, But other than that, you know, we're just taking it day by day and week by week.
0: You know, I would imagine, like, you're pretty even keel about this, and I think that's a big reason why you and the program is where it is right now. You've been a part of building this thing from the moment you arrived. Was this always the vision you had for the program, or maybe does it feel even a little bit bigger than you first imagined?
6: Uh, I would definitely say it feels a little bit bigger. Um, you know, every single year, you know, our goal is to win championships. Um, and when I say that, I mean conference championships. So, you know, every year we go in and we prepare our offseason to go in and win a conference championship, and then everything else after that um, is just a bonus for us. So, um, you know, right now we're just focused on, you know, obviously our, our game against Tulane, um, but then you look into the future and, you know, we're looking at that conference championship, and then, you know, once we win, our, once we win and play in that conference championship, um, you know, it's just kind of out of our hands from there.
0: Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter is joining us. So if you were to go back to when you were in high school, you had an offer from Cincinnati and Eastern Kentucky. So at that time, what kind of vision did you have for your future?
6: Um, You know, I just knew that, you know, once I got the the Cincinnati offer and, you know, my mom told me to stay within um, six hours of home. So I gave her an hour and a half. Um, You know, we visited (laughs) campus, saw it was beautiful, Um, you know, liked the coaching staff, you know, loved the program. Being from Louisville, we had the uh, keg-and-nails rivalry against Louisville and and Cincinnati. Um, So I kind of knew the history of Cincinnati. Um, And, and, you know, I saw there was a place where I could go. I could play early. Uh, and, And so, you know, I just loved it here. And, you know, I think the rest is history after that.
0: Dude, moms had to be so pumped. When you kept her within 90 minutes, then when she gave you a six-hour window and you said, I got this, we'll do it in an hour and a half. You know, your teammates talk about you as a leader and how you motivate and inspire them. I'm curious, what's it mean to you to be one of the leaders on this team? And then how do you approach
6: It's a huge honor for me to, you know, not only be considered as a captain, but also, you know, one of the main leaders on the team. Um, you know, we have a, a bunch of seniors and a bunch of super seniors um, like Joel DeBlanco, Kobe Bryant, Darian Beavers, Um, that you know do a great job also of of helping lead this team Um, you know I think without without these guys you know we wouldn't be where we're at today and you know it's not just the leadership but it's also the maturity um, that not only myself but all these other leaders kind of put throughout the whole team that makes us
0: who we are and, and how we play. Desmond Ritter is joining us once again so you've also worked with my guy Jordan Palmer who's right down the road from where I'm sitting right now I'm curious what was that experience like and what was your biggest takeaway from your time with him?
6: Yeah, no, so growing up, you know, I would always watch, you know, NFL path to the draft. And, you know, I would always see JP, um, you know, training always the top quarterback. So growing up um, and then throughout high school, you know, I've always wanted to work with him. Um, being from, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, you know, I've never got the chance to, to get out there. Um, but this past offseason, I, I was fortunate enough um, to be able to go out to California twice and to work with him. And, and you know, he, he just always tells me, you know, just keep working, keep pushing. You know, you're going to be good, you're going to be great. Um, but just keep working. You know, I'm always looking to to get better in any way possible. And, you know, I think he's going to be a, a great person to have in my corner um, to help me be the best I
0: can be. Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter is joining us. Now, your daughter was born earlier this year. How is she doing, and how much are you enjoying life as a girl dad?
6: She's doing well. She um six months, a couple days ago, so she's getting big. Um, we're not the crawling yet, but she's sitting up. Um, we're starting to Starting to slowly introduce some foods to her. She's not liking it much, but um, we're trying. But, no, she makes me um, the best version of myself I can be, um, you know, both on and off the field. Um, She pushes me to be the best person I can be. And, you know, she's just a, a blessing in my life.
0: That is so cool. There's also a story that I think a lot of parents can relate to. Before she was born, you and your girlfriend spent a few hours putting together a crib in the living room. And then when you went to move it into your daughter's room, it would not fit through the door. I guarantee that you're not the first couple to have that happen. What did you do about fixing that situation? How did you handle that?
6: Yeah, no. So that was definitely a frustrating situation at the time. Because um, um, myself, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So when when it wasn't perfect and it didn't fit perfectly through the door, um, there was definitely some frustration um, and a couple hours spent on it. You know, taking the door hinges off, taking the door off, um, and then taking you know basically disassembling the crib um, to rebuild it back in the room. So it was definitely you know just like life is, lessons learned.
0: That is so great, my man. When you say that that was a frustrating moment, let me tell you, that will not be the only one. And they're awesome. They're incredible moments. I've got a couple of sons that are just, it's it's an incredible thing, but that will not be the only frustrating or challenging Mm -hmm. moment. Now you could have entered the draft after last season and you'd be on an NFL roster right now, which is the dream, of course, and you've worked really hard for that. How did you approach that decision at that time? And then how much of that was about making sure that there was going to be stability for your daughter?
6: Yes, sir. Um, I would say, you know, a, a lot of it was, you know, stability for my, my daughter and my family. Um, you know, just being here in Cincinnati, um, knowing the city, you know, just little things like, you know, knowing where the, the Kroger is and where the nearest hospital is and, you know, where the nearest target is to go get her clothes. Um, you know, that, that was really huge for me. Um, but then, you know, you talk about on the field stuff and, and you talk about records and I was, I was close to, you know, some of the records here at UC. Um, and, you know, after the Georgia game, a lot of people thought the Georgia game was going to be the deciding factor of whether I left or whether I stayed. And, you know, I was kind of had my mind made up before that. And, you know, I just knew that there was still something left on the table um, that I felt like we could achieve here as a team and as a university, um, and I think we're just kind of starting to see that um, played into fruition.
0: All right, so that's a great, that's a great response. And in that sense, I understand that you're thinking about what's coming up this week. But since you did come back and you mentioned that there's still a lot left, I do get that. But when it's over, what do you want people to say about you and the team and your time there?
6: Uh, you know, I just really want people to, um, you know, say that the team really changed the university and kind of changed the way of the program. Um, and, and how people perceived us in the way before, um, you know, not only just as, you know, talk about group of five and, and this and that, you know, that we moved to the Big 12. Um, and that was kind of Coach Fick's message, you know, when we kind of got here was just leave the place better than what you found it. And, you know, I think that's kind of how we've kind of grown about our whole time here and the whole career here is, you know, each and every year when these seniors leave and these new freshmen come in, you know, how are they going to see what the what the program and what the university looks like, um, so I just, I just want to leave it better than what I found it um, and, and make sure that, you know, the young guys below me do the same.
0: Desmond Ritter, my guest, really quickly since you mentioned Coach Fick. I've always enjoyed my conversations with Luke Fickle over the years. What's he been like to play for?
6: Oh, he's, he's been great. You know, he's a, he's a great people person, a, a great players coach. Um, he's got an open-door policy. You know, you can go talk to him whenever you want, um, and he's very down-to-earth. He's going to give it to you how it is, um, and, you know, he's a great coach um, both on and off the field. Um, And he's just a guy that, you know, you want to go play for. He has a chip on his shoulder just like everyone else does on the team. And I think, you know, he makes that known that, you know, we're going to be looked at as underdogs and we're going to be looked at as small. Um, But that just keeps us driving and keeps us going. I think he does a great job of of putting that out there but also keeping everyone in control.
0: I think that's great. He is the quarterback at the University of Cincinnati. They are number two in both polls. They are 7-0. Next opportunity, next challenge, they are at Tulane on Saturday. Desmond Ritter is their QB. Desmond, really nice to talk to you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for making time for us, and I really do appreciate the conversation. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. John in Utah. I appreciate you being patient. John, good to have you on. How are you?
3: Uh, good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to talk about Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Uh, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, he really uh, could concentrate 100% on, on his football team, but his son and his serious problems, I wonder if that isn't a big distraction after the games. Just thought I'd
0: bring that up. All right, John, let me respond to that. John in Utah saying... Hey, John. <laughs> Thanks, Alby." Victor is in Wayne, New Jersey. Victor, good to have you. What's up?
2: How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm just curious about anyone criticizing Joe – I'm sorry, uh, Douglas. Yeah. Jets GM. He surrounded a rookie quarterback and gave this team and our our long long suffering fans a backup quarterback that never even took a snap in the NFL, whom probably 99% of the Jets fans didn't even know who Mike White was. But I think it's time Douglas has to start taking some criticism for – not surrounding um, not surrounding Wilson with players, or even given solid players. It's time for him to kind of, I mean, we, we load up on draft picks in the future, but what did you do for now? We know we're rebuilding, but this looks horribly like the way they ruined Sam Darnold. I'll take your comments. Yeah, and I appreciate
0: you. it, Victor. Babe, believe me, man, my, my goal in life, I mean this sincerely, when I was coming up and I was in Santa Barbara, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The one thing I wanted more than anything in this business, my dream, was to be a talk show host on WFAN. And now I am Michael Lombardi, my guest. He's sitting
3: here right now. That's hard to do. I think here's my concern about Tua. He doesn't do anything elite, doesn't have elite speed, doesn't have elite size, doesn't have an elite arm. He's never going to be a top 15 quarterback in the league. I don't care that he threw for 400 yards against the Arizona, uh, threw against the Atlanta Falcons. he's going to have to make plays in the pocket in a game in in tough conditions. I don't see it. So I would be inclined to entertain it, but I would need to know who the name I'm getting back for it is.
0: Michael Lombardi is joining us. Now, Michael, I mentioned off the top that you are the co-creator of The Daily Coach. You and I have talked about your approach and your thoughts on leadership in the past. You were recently talking about Ben Simmons. I'm really curious. What do you think when you see the situation that he's in with that team, the Sixers, and their situation with him?
3: Well, I think a lot of it starts with their lack of holding him accountable from the time he was a rookie. You know, there's no accountability. And now he's behaving with no accountability, and everybody's wondering why. Well, he's been groomed on no accountability. No one's ever really held him accountable. And so now he's behaving as like a spoiled brat. You know, and one of the things that I think it shows is his lack of mental toughness. We see it on the basketball court, and now we're seeing it off the court. I mean, look, let's just put things in perspective here, Jim. Allen Iverson was traded by Larry Brown to the Detroit Pistons, and if it wasn't for Matt Geiger exercising his right in the option to veto the trade, Iverson would have been a piston. But Iverson didn't sulk. Iverson didn't say a word. He came back, determined, won MVP the next season. There's the difference. One guy is a great competitor. One guy you can't deter from trying to win the game. The other guy's looking for excuses, never holding himself accountable, never sharing in the responsibility, all those things. And yet he gets rewarded with a $170 million contract. How else do you expect him to behave? The guy's never hired a shooting coach. He hired his brother. I mean, seriously, this is what we want. If I were the GM of the Sixers, before I gave him that contract, I would have demanded a few things.
0: Michael Lombardi is joining us. Wow. I'm glad that I asked you the question about the NBA and we got into that as well. And we talked leadership before you and I, and we will do so again. Michael, really quickly, before I go, or before I let you go, speaking of the quarterbacks, what about the noise about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance? How much of the 49ers struggles right now are about Jimmy G? How much of that is on him specifically?
3: It's the biggest joke. It's, it's the Twitter phenomenon, Jim. I mean it's 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 unbelievable. There's this there's this narrative out there that once we put Trey Lance in everything's going to solve all our problems. Let me just give you some facts because facts never appear on Twitter, facts never appear in NFL conversation. Going into last week's games, the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan are 26 and 11 with Jimmy Garoppolo. When they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo, they're 7 and 22. Jimmy Garoppolo had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of of the Super Bowl. Was it Jimmy Garoppolo's fault they didn't cover a third and 18 that Tyreek Hill made a great play? Was it Jimmy Garoppolo's fault that on on third and 10 in the red zone they gave up a pass interference play? I don't think so. I think Garoppolo's not an elite quarterback. I'm not saying that. But he's better than any quarterback they have on their roster. That's very clear. Lance may be a good player, but it ain't going to happen this year. They're going to win games It's going to be with Garoppolo.
0: He is an author. He is a three-time Super Bowl winner. He is host of the GM Shuffle podcast. He is co-creator of the Daily Coach, and he just closed the show for us. Michael Lombardi, my guest. Michael, always great to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for that. Thanks so much, Jim. Good night.